Well, good evening, everybody. Let's see here. We got Gary. We got Universal Sue. Hello there. And we got Brian Barber. We got Gene Hudson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition tonight, Thomas. They're frankly thinking, what in the world was that? <laughs> it was frogs, ladies and gentlemen, falling from the sky. So, welcome. So, what we got going on tonight? Well, that video is the perfect intro because that's what we're talking about, guys, is things falling from the sky that have got no business falling from the sky. This is a real Fortean phenomenon. Uh, they call it a rain of animals or an animal fall. And it's the idea of, of animals falling from the sky that shouldn't, just like we saw in that clip of big toads. Frogs has fallen from the sky. And I, I thought we'd light it up a little bit this week and discuss this as something rarely ever talked about in the, the 14 circles. It's, it's definitely a 14 subject, maybe not necessarily paranormal, but what makes it so crazy is, is scientists really have no idea why this happens. But it happens all around the world, and it's been happening for hundreds of years that's been recorded and so tonight we're going to dig into what is a reign of animals and i'll tell you guys a couple of personal stories about this phenomenon so i think we're going to have a really fun discussion tonight interesting yeah so you know we'll dig right into it guys and audience you know as always you got questions bring them up you know we'll take a look at them and answer them there's there's not a whole lot of information to go with this other than discussing the incidences that have happened and have been recorded. Okay. Uh, so the very first time this was ever recorded was actually from the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder. And he recorded this uh, way back in first century AD. Uh, people have been noticing this really strange phenomenon going on. Uh, one of the earliest reports that I found in 1794, French soldiers saw toads falling from the sky and they reported this. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, like this is absolutely crazy. And, and let's set what, what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, things coming from the sky in the rain. We're talking about frogs, toads, fish, uh, jellyfish worms um and some other weird stuff that we'll get into and it's the idea of it's not just one or two it's not just a few things falling it's literally like we saw in that clip thousands of these things of these animals falling down and one of the things that makes it so unique is it's usually a single species of animal okay Usually it's all the same type of fish, like in this picture uh, that is associated with the report out of Texas, or all the same type of frogs, all the same type of toads, all the same type of jellyfish. It's not just a random collection of animals. Okay. And, and um, just going through, I, I didn't realize there was so many reports of this happening okay like like here's one from uh, 1947 in louisiana 
there was a raining of fish. Witnesses reported seeing hundreds of fish falling from the sky during a sudden rainstorm. The fish were identified as a species of freshwater fish known as needlefish, the size from just a few inches to over a foot long. Uh, so once again, it's all one species of fish. So the way they try to explain this as a general overall phenomenon is that uh, tornadic water spouts, right? So when a tornado forms over a body of water, right, Thomas, right there, that's what they say. And it'll suck some stuff up and then bring it miles away and drop it down. But there, there, there's some problems with that theory. For one, how can it be hundreds and hundreds of only one species? Right. If, if that's going to happen, if it's going to suck up things from a body of water, then it's going to suck everything up. Right. And then it's going to drop it all. And they say, well, you know, different different animals have different uh, body masses. So they're going to fall at different rates. And so maybe some fell here and some fell there. But we don't find that. We don't find a trail of heavier fish here, lighter fish here. Uh, a whole bunch of dirt and rocks and mud that sucked up from the bottom over here. That's not how this phenomenon happens. The scientists who come up with these these theories um, have never witnessed a water spout sucking up all the needlefish out of a river and dropping them somewhere. So it's purely speculation on this point. And in a few other instances, uh, scientists have other theories that kind of fit whatever happened at that particular time. But there is no true explanation for this phenomenon. Okay, it's absolutely fascinating. Now, um, I have seen this personally twice in my life, which is why this fascinates me so much, is having experienced it myself and completely inexplicable. You? What was that? Where? What? Behind you. That's my door to my bedroom. What's Did something kind of float out? Yeah. Okay, so it's a, a curtain. Oh, my Lord. I thought we was, <laughs> was getting visited. Well, <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm sitting on our lanai, as we call it in Florida, my screened-in back porch. Okay. And the wind right. is blowing. It's Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful with the wind blowing, and it blew up some of that curtain up a little bit. <laughs> All right. False alarm. False alarm. Just getting ready to get the water out. Right? I don't have any here. You're going to have to ship me some. No. <laughs> oh. So this would have happened, uh, I believe, in the mid-80s at one of the times I was in the United States uh, living in Upper Michigan. And they both happened in the uh, time frame here. And I was actually talking about this with my mom. Um, to verify that she remembered things and it wasn't just something in my head. Uh, I remember too, the, the, the one that really impressed upon me was uh, we were driving home one night and there was a storm going on. It was rainy. And, and all of a sudden we saw little baby toads like coming down and hitting the top of the car, the hood, and then like bouncing off. And it was literally during this rainstorm dropping baby toads. Huh. And 
we get to the house and we run inside and, and we're looking and there's little baby toads hopping all around. The next morning when I got up, there was literally thousands of baby toads all over the place. And they were alive. They were hopping around and, and I was going outside and picking them up and because I'm fresh out of the jungle and I love my animals. So I'm out there catching them and and playing with them and it took about a day or so for them to disperse but they were alive they weren't frozen they weren't hitting the ground and splatting and smashing they they're hitting the ground and some would be stunned and then some were just out hopping around all over the place it is an absolutely amazing phenomenon to experience this and you know of course i asked my dad and, and he said well you know what happens is water spouts suck them up and and we had a couple of ponds across the road so he's like you know we had a, a little mini tornado come through and and all this and even back then that that just didn't make a lot of sense to me because this wasn't just a few this was thousands of them and as we were driving you know a half mile quarter mile away from the house they were falling all the way up to the house so we're talking probably millions of these little baby toads and they were absolutely everywhere absolutely everywhere and ever since then i've just been absolutely fascinated by the subject and and as you look toads and frogs are probably the second most common type of animal fall that they have the first being fish and at a different time in that exact same house that i lived in we had a fall of of small silver fish basically minnows and it was the same thing they were alive i don't remember being as many the next day like like afterwards but there was basically thousands of little bitty minnows that fell from the sky when it rained as on top of the rain it was it did, doesn't make sense to me and again they were all the same type of minnows and it wasn't like seaweed was falling down with it or other debris and mud and sand or anything like that it was just rain and these little fish uh the the closest body of water we had was lake michigan uh, and that would have been you know quite a bit away from us uh of miles not like hundreds of miles but a few miles away from us um uh, and ever since then i have been so fascinated by this phenomenon and and looking into it was surprised me there is a village in Honduras called Yoro, and it happens so frequently, they have a fish festival because rain, the, the fish rains on this village almost every single year in the spring. Wow. And then, yeah, they built a festival out of it. Let me see, starting in 1998, it's called the Festival de la Lluvia de Peces, which is the festival of the rain of fish. And they celebrate it. And it's variable, coinciding with the first major rainfall in May or June. Uh, because it says, according to this village, it's been occurring yearly for more than a century. And they actually did a documentary on it for the History Channel. Uh, and then every year they have this crazy phenomenon that happens. So I went through and I found a list of dates for all this stuff. And then uh, starting in 1861 in Singapore, 
Nepal had a rain of fish fall in 1900. Canada, 1903. Louisiana, that we talked about, 1947. Africa, Nigeria, 1993. Wales in 2004. India, 2008. And again in 2009, Australia for two days in 2010. Uh, Philippines, 2012, India again, 2013, uh, Honduras, uh, Sri Lanka in 2014, a uh, few more in India, 2015, Ethiopia, 2016. So these things are common. It says it's a rare phenomenon, but I'm seeing, you know, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. 2021 in Texas. Uh, it's a crazy worldwide phenomenon, right? And they, they don't know what causes it. Uh, and, and it makes me wonder, right? So here on, on you know, uh, cryptid rabbit holes, paranormal rabbit holes, we get into a lot of alternative theories and thinking, right? So I have often wondered, is this kind of phenomenon somehow tied into let's say natural portals could natural portals be happening and, and sucking up or entrapping like these species of animals and then just dropping them somewhere else like translocation what do you guys think about that do you, do you think that could be some kind of legitimate phenomenon that's happening because the idea of water spouts for one water spouts themselves are kind of rare like they don't happen very often. And then the idea that they can suck up live animals into the atmosphere where they don't freeze, by the way, which doesn't make sense to me. Being that high up in the atmosphere, they're going to freeze. And then what, free falling from how high up and, and not damaging themselves? It just doesn't make sense to me. And then again, only one species, no other debris that comes down with them. It's wild. And again, not only fish, right? We talked about frogs and toads. Uh, Japan, Hungary, Uruguay. I have had frogs and toads fall from the sky like I experienced up in Michigan. So I want to know anybody in the audience, have you guys ever had any really weird things fall from the sky that you know of? Um, because I, I want to hear other people. I went on Facebook. And I asked if anybody else, and uh, I had my uncle said he remembered having a storm in Michigan and tree frogs were falling. But when asking him the question, um, they were basically tree frogs falling out of the tree in his yard because of the storm. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't doesn't quite qualify what we're looking for here. What was that? Somebody said grasshoppers falling from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Universal thing. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not like they have rains of spiders coming down, but to me that could be fairly easily explained with spiders, right? Because we know that certain times of year, certain spiders migrate. Uh, we know that uh, hatchling spiders uh, will climb up to a high point and release some thread like a parachute and catch it in the wind. And if there is a huge, amount of those spiders and then they're floating through the air i can i can see that being called a rain that kind of makes sense to me um 
there, there's been reports of like flocks of birds literally just dropping out of the sky. And some of those reports came up as I was looking up, you know, rains of animals and stuff. But I didn't really classify that as the same phenomenon because birds belong in the sky anyway. And if there was something to happen with um, some kind of electromagnetic burst or different things like that, they fly into a methane cloud, you know, where they could all die at once. And to me, that's just a little more explicable, right? Um, but like, like here's one that, that blew my mind with one of the earliest recording instances of animal falls was August 14th in 1894 when a shower of jellyfish fell on the city in England. Jellyfish. <laughs> I mean, uh, and they, again, they were all the same species. It was identified as what they call Valella Valella, which is, um, and I think I might have sent you a picture of this one. It's a small, delicate animal, and, and they were able to specifically identify the species out of it. And it says it was scattered on streets and gardens and was uh, falling on people as they were walking out and about. Yeah, right there. And how, how do you explain that? Like these tiny, fragile animals were sucked up in, in uh, a violent tornado, a violent water spout, and then they were able to just drop on people and they were still able to easily identify what they were. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as far as the whole tornado and, and flying through the air for miles and then dropping, you know? Yeah, right. So that's what I thought, Brian, too. I'm like, man, I hope they weren't like Portuguese man of war or some box jellies or something like that. Be wild. Um, but yeah, that's that that's what's going on there with the jellyfish. And that was 1894. Um, like if, if you guys want to read some really interesting stories, man, do a, a research on this and you'll come up with some some crazy stuff. Uh, worms. Worms have been known to fall from the sky like red wigglers hundreds of them thousands of them everywhere everywhere yeah see fish and frogs are the ones that people know but this other stuff is wild um i haven't heard of snakes falling i was i was looking for that but um i'm very glad i didn't find any records of snakes falling from the sky because that would be absolutely horrifying as far as i'm concerned um and no no sharknadoes that that's not a real thing we don't have anything like that massive falling from the sky i did get reports of catfish falling from the sky we're looking at various uh, fish falls coming down um and we've all heard of the stories of like you know the blue rain coming down and it was actually the the frozen contents of a jet airliner's toilet and stuff like that but it's just this whole idea of animals, live animals falling from the sky with no known origin and no real satisfactory reason just kind of blows my mind. You know, um, going back to the, the fish fall in Honduras, right? They've, they've tried to explain this. They had the, the, the History Channel out there filming it and all this kind of stuff. Uh, they've, they've had a couple different explanations. Yeah, Rebecca, I, I agree. It does make you think of that, doesn't it? 
Um, so generally for the Honduras one, they do talk about, you know, strong winds or water spouts. Uh, the problem with that is the nearest marine source for the fish is about 45 miles away. And that that's quite of a, a ways for a wind to carry something like that. Um, they did come up with another possible explanation, uh, saying that maybe the fish uh, originated in freshwater and moved from a nearby river into a subterranean current or cave system, and then heavy rains wash fish up and then leave them stranded. And that seems even more of a a stretch than than the water spout thing you know what i mean like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either there was one fall in texas in the 90s um and what they speculated and this is this is an interesting one too was that there was a flock of birds flying over and they all regurgitated we'll use the nice word they all regurgitated their food all at the same time over this town. And so thousands of little fish fell all over the town at one time because all these, these fish eating birds threw up all at once. And that seems to be kind of a stretch, but you know, that could be one, one possibility. They did say that some of the fish look chewed up as they put it in the article I was reading. Uh, but at the same time, what's going to cause hundreds of birds flying over to all throw up at once over a town? Right? I mean, could there have been something in the sky? Or some people say, well, you know, when one bird throws up and the other ones see it, they all throw up. I don't know if that's a biological fact or not. But, you know, I guess that could be a possibility. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Brian, the, the fish are falling. Most of the time they're alive when, when they're on the ground. People will collect them or anything. Um, any ritual or anything? No, they're, they're just completely random as far as any evidence shows. See if there's any other questions with it. Um, but there have also been like some horrible stuff that falls from the sky uh we're gonna get into this one it's kind of gross so i had to had to bring it up but in kentucky not florida kentucky there was a shower of meat that fell from the sky so i don't know grizzly if you know where bath county kentucky is i've never been to bath county no okay so this was recorded uh, for March 3rd, 1876, where chunks of red meat fell from the sky in about a 100 by 50 yard area near Olympia Springs in Bath County, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, several possible explanations, and they get weirder and weirder. Uh, first was it wasn't really meat. It was uh, basically chunks of bacteria or fungus that kind of conglomerated together and then fell to the ground. Uh, but get this, guys. Um, they, they studied the meat. Okay. And it says 
although the exact type of meat was never identified, various reports suggested it could have been beef or lamb or deer or bear or horse or possibly human. And that's that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this is where they got it from. Right. So they said most of the pieces of meat were about two inches by two inches, you know, a nice little chunk. And at least one piece was twice that size, four by four. Uh, the, the meat appeared to be beef if you were visually looking at it. But according to the first report in the Scientific American, two men tasted it and judged it to be lamb or deer, right? I want to know who these dudes are that are picking up random meat falling from the sky and going, hey, let's cook this up and eat it and let's see what it tastes like. Only in Kentucky is all I'm going to say. Only in Kentucky. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one person uh, writing in the, the sanitarian, a uh, guy by the name of Leopold identified the substance as Gnostic, which is what we talked about as a type of cyanobacteria. Uh, they gave the meat samples to the Newark Scientific Association for further analysis. Um, leading to a letter from Dr. Alan McLean Hamilton. And this was appearing in the medical record, uh, a journal stated that the meat had been identified as lung tissue either from a horse or a human infant because the structure of the organ in these two cases are almost identical the composition of this sample was backed up by further analysis with two samples of the meat being identified as lung tissue, three as muscle tissue, and two as cartilage. I don't even know what to make of that, right? Um, the locals favored an explanation that this meat was vomited up by buzzards. Then and it says, who is as their custom seeing one of their companions disgorge himself, all the others immediately followed suit. Um, and, and that is something vultures do do if they're loaded down and they need to fly away real quick or they're startled, they will vomit to lighten their loads so they can fly away faster or, you know, as a defense mechanism because it stinks that it, it's foul smelling. But I don't see two guys picking up chunks of meat that are already partially digested from vultures that are that are in vulture vomit and then washing them off and going, hey, let's cook this and eat this. I don't see that as happening. Um, so that that one, I, I don't understand that. I don't see how a water spout could be responsible for that. I am going to assume it was not human tissue. And when they did the investigation that maybe it was horse lung tissue and not human tissue, because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole as to where that came from. But I, I, I 
that blows my mind. Like, like you're having ribeyes fall from the sky. You, you know what I mean? And just or like beef stew meat, right? Think of chunks of beef stew that you buy at Walmart. And you're just sitting there and all of a sudden this meat is falling from the sky. It, it doesn't make any sense. Do you have any speculation on that, Grizzly, at all? No. No. <laughs> I do not. Would, would you be that guy that says, hey, let's throw some of this on the barbecue and, and see no. what we can do with it? I'd say it doesn't make sense. Right? I'd be like, the, the, the apocalypse is here. <laughs> you know, I mean, blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And this was, uh, like I said, in 1876, in the middle of the day, uh, between 11 a.m. and 12. Well, right. I mean, that's, uh, I think that was Rebecca, somebody getting rid of something. But, like, we're talking 1800s. What Did, did we have, like, commercial airlines in the 1800s? Um, somebody flying over and dumped over a cooler of, of random already chunked up lung tissue from horses. I, I just, I don't see how that's even a possibility. You, you know what I mean? Lama like, says if it's sushi, it's a different story. Well, I mean, yeah, but it, Lala, if you got sushi falling from the sky, are you going to, you know, dust it off and grab a few bites and be like, oh, wow, man, this is tuna. Like, I don't know about that. I, I don't think I could do it. But, you know, it brought to mind as I was reading all this and researching this this week, and then you guys kind of touched on a little bit was the biblical plagues, right? Like, that's that's interesting, but the, the plagues were, were a little specific. It didn't say, you know, it was raining from the sky. But um, if we're talking biblical history, what did come from the sky that we know about? biblically speaking that that the people ate it was manna manna from heaven right and, and, and it will appear on the ground every morning and the, the israelites would go out and pick it up and and eat it as food and there's been a lot of speculation as to what that really was and and some of the, the same speculations as some of these things where it talks about well maybe it was a certain type of fungus that grew really fast overnight uh jennifer what date was that for the the kentucky that was march 3rd 1876 near olympia springs in bath county kentucky yeah. that's what i got for so um but yeah and then you know it talked about the hundreds of quail or the thousands of quail that also came in with the manna and the Israelites, you know, got that and ate that. So is, is there a connection there? You know, we don't know because we can't explain it in the first place. Maybe, you know, maybe God had set something in motion to allow that to happen. And this kind of stuff is like, like, like a residual effect, right? Like ripples on a pond. Lord maybe there's some know. kind of, what is manna? That that's a good question. Nobody knows. Nobody actually knows. It, it was described as like a bread that that would gather on the ground, and then they would go and collect it in the morning. But they were only supposed to collect 
enough for themselves for that day because it would rot overnight and go bad. And so anything they tried to hoard would go bad and they couldn't use it. And the idea was, you know, trusting God daily for your provisions and not trying to hoard up and store out of lack of trust. It was the, the idea of trusting that tomorrow's God is going to provide for them again. And so some people view it as a simply, you know, allegory. It's simply an instructional tale about trusting God to provide for you and all this kind of stuff. But biblically speaking, it was just God providing every day for his people. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know if there's a connection there or not. It could just be. But it kind of brought that to mind as I was reading this this absolute phenomenon that again science admits happens they just can't explain it let me see what is this one how dave matthews tour bus emptied their black water tank on a bridge with a steel grate only to rain down on the boaters and river under the bus uh no idea well lorna i mean that's exactly exactly it you weren't asking a stupid question a lot of people don't understand what manna was and it is it is about receiving exactly what you need and that's what it was that is what the israelites needed to survive in the desert because they didn't have the food and so god provided the manna which is where that that term comes from it, it's all they really needed was the manna and the quail and they survived for 40 years in the desert and that was all their nutritional needs you know some people liken to you know uh, the bread of life and people talk about, you know, uh, the bread of communion and how bread plays symbolically in the Bible for a lot of different ways. Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God and all these other biblical references to bread. And a lot of people think that refers back to the idea of manna that 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 sustained them physically, but didn't sustain them spiritually. And you can get into the whole theological discussion on manna, but that's basically the premise of it was that they were provided what they needed at that time. And then when they didn't need it anymore, it wasn't there for them anymore. And interestingly enough, uh, I believe it was uh, three pieces of manna that was actually put into the Ark of the Covenant, along with the original broken tablets and Aaron's budded staff placed into the Ark of the Covenant. So it was a revered provisional thing that they recognized as a miracle from God in that aspect of it. But. Not to get too off subject there, but yeah, the, the idea of strange, weird things falling from the sky, just, again, it's a real thing. And scientists have recorded this and they, they study it, but they have no clue really what causes it. Now, I, I did read where somebody had seen where a small water spout had sucked up debris and, and animals and fish from like a pond. And then dumped it onto like houses that were next to the pond. And they're like, see that that's an example of how it happens. The difference is in the observed one, it dumped all the debris. There was grass and there was mud and there was rocks and there was all the different types of species in that pond. And so that does not explain the single species fall. It does not explain the fall without the extra debris and it doesn't explain you know the closest possible source being 45 miles away you know what i mean so what about ryan barber just have you heard about the humback well on the amazon 
Yeah, that I've seen that picture, but what they're not telling you is that what looks like the Amazon is actually a beach shore. And so where it says it fell into the Amazon, that's not really the case. It's like it washed up on a beach that was right there on the edge of the jungle. Uh, I think it was off Brazil. I'm not really sure exactly where, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I looked into that, but it was more of they took the camera or they took the picture with the camera from an angle that made it look like it was deep in the middle of the jungle. When in reality, it was on a shoreline. So the picture is real. But the story behind it, as far as I've investigated into it, is not. It's kind of like, oh, look at this. This is so cool. You know? Uh, yeah. And then, the, yeah, that, that would scratch your head, right? Like, how is a whale falling from the sky into the middle of the jungle? That wouldn't make any sense. But... You know, like, like most things, right? Like what do I always say? Most of this stuff is just undiscovered science. There may be a 100% uh, normal explanation for these animal falls. We just don't know it yet. We don't have the science to understand it yet because science, uh, uh, its backbone is the idea of repeatable observed events. And so that way you can say, this is the definitive. This is how this happens because we can repeatedly observe this phenomenon. And as of this day, there has never been an observed causation to these animal falls. Uh, because again, they're, ha yeah, they're happening all over the world in different types of climates, different, different types of biomes. Uh, right. And the, the portal thing is kind of like, well, to me, it's just as plausible as a random strong wind coming through and sweeping up one type of animal. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and if, and again, it, it's a logical chain of thinking. If you believe in portals, okay, then if you believe they form naturally in the wild, randomly, and if you believe portals are you know, some sort of wormhole or some sort of gate, some sort of passage, right? Then, then you, if you just keep going on, it would make sense that sometimes things would get caught in them, right? So I'm not saying portals exist. I'm just saying if they exist, then that's a possibility. You know what I mean? All right, let me, let me zoom in on that one so I can read that one a little closer. Let me see. Water spouts pick up fish and drop them on dry land. So could a well be dropped by a water spout in the Amazon? I don't know. It's possible. Well, no, you, you have to look at the physics of that. We're talking, you know, how many tons for a whale? How much power and lift would that have to be to suck it up out of the water and transport it, right? And, and Grizzly, you and I were talking about this as well as far as when, when tornadoes suck things up, okay, um, physics are involved in all this, right? The very center of a tornado is just like the center of a hurricane. It's like dead air. There is no suction there. The suction comes from uh, the, the spinning vortex of the hurricane or the tornado, right? And so if it's spinning, if you have a centrifugal force, which basically says that as it's spinning, everything is going to go to the outside. 
right? So think about like when we were kids, we had the merry-go-rounds, right? And when you had kids spinning on the merry-go-round, they didn't fly up into the air. They flew off to the sides, right? And so I've been Googling New York Times report. It was possibly dead carcass of cosmic animals from an exploding planet. Well, that would be something. But don't you think so burn up in the atmosphere, though? <laughs> yeah, and you're saying, Jennifer, that that was the one in Kentucky? That would be some, like, spot-on targeting if that was the case, huh? That would be, like, with a, with a hundred hundred yard by fifty yard target, that'd be that'd be something else. I mean, that's crazy. And like Brian said, all right, guys, alive. Do what? Yeah. Well, and then that's just it, right? So, in my thought process, let's say they could suck straight up, okay, into the high atmosphere, for them to travel. 45 miles like like the case in honduras okay they're gonna have to be like really high up like in the jet stream right but what do we know about being that high up in elevation it's freezing temperatures it freezes that's where hail comes from hail does not normally melt before it hits the ground right and so if you have these like in my case all these frogs in upper michigan in the summer if they're high enough to travel on the wind speed for miles before they fall down, they're going to be frozen. They're going to be frozen. And I don't know if they would thaw enough by the time they hit the ground to be able to bounce and start hopping away. Right? So either there's, you know, the, the, the water spout sucks them up just high enough and there's a low enough wind stream to carry him for a while. But again, is that even really meteorologically possible? Like, like the, does those conditions exist like that? Because you got to remember, they're not reporting tornadoes in these storms. They're, they're not reporting catastrophic damage in these storms. Right? What they're reporting is rainstorms with animals falling down. So it's not like it's the middle of a hurricane where you have debris flying all over the place and, and animals are, it's, that's not what they're reporting. And so when you really look at that, that's where I think the whole idea of tornadoes sucking them up or water spouts sucking them up, to me, just, just isn't as plausible as they're trying to make it sound like, you know? Right. Yeah, check, check the physics on it, right? Because... From what I understand from the physics of tornado, again, it sucks things up, but as it gets sucked up, it gets shot out to the side because that's how when you spit in a circle, everything goes to the outside. That's how it works. There's not a column of tractor beam suction. You, you know what I mean? And if it is that much, that massive, then we're going to know there was a tornado. It's not going to be, oh, there must have been a water spout somewhere over some random lake or pond. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of what they're trying to explain it as. Interesting. And I just, yep, I don't think that's a feasible thing. And that, I mean, I guess if we believe in the tornadoes, we have to believe that a cosmic planet blew up somewhere and then all of it came down. You know what I mean? Uh, 
but I, I don't see that as much of a better, better option. <laughs> yeah, Lorna, uh, more questions than answers, the more knowledge you get. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we, we have this show and, and we ask these questions and we dig and we find out and we don't just accept the mainstream answer. Right. Because it's so easy to blow stuff off and be like, ah, that's just a tornado doing that. You, you know, but when you really think about it and you stop and you think and it's for any phenomenon, anything you experience out there and you go, oh, this is what the mainstream is saying. Really sit there and think about it. And then ask yourself logically, if that was the case, what would you expect to happen? If it was a tornado sucking stuff up into the air, I would expect more things to fall than the, than a singular species. You know, uh, toads don't live in water. Baby toads, they don't live in water. They're the uh, eggs and polywogs. The tadpoles live in the water, but toads live on land. They're, they're not, you know, they're amphibious. But they don't live in the water as an adult. Toads stay on dry land. That's the difference between a toad and a frog for the most part, right? And so... Beards up. Absolutely, Derek. Uh, that particular tornadoes would have to be over land. Right? But let me ask you this question. Tornadoes, when they touch the ground, don't have a huge base unless they're like, like an F3, F4, F5, right? So where could a tornado hit, a small tornado, that could suck up thousands of baby toads? Where would a spot be where thousands of baby toads congregate to where a single, small, not very noticeable or reported tornado could suck them up and carry them for miles and deposit them? Like, like explain that one to me. Bi biologically speaking, do baby toads gather in the thousands? in a very small area like that not that i've ever heard of not that i've ever seen so again like how does that happen you're not going to convince me it was a strong wind that that picked up you know out of what like what a 10 square mile area to find that concentration of baby toes i don't know it was that dang sam squash that's what that was right jimmy <laughs> <laughs> It's like that new commercial. Have you guys seen the commercial where it's like a family gathering and the guy's sitting there like, I know y'all ain't going to believe me, but there's aliens yeah. living in Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite work that way. So, guys, any, any other questions or comments or anything on that? Because, again, I encourage every one of you, if you find it interesting, go research it for yourself because what you're going to find is basically story after story after story of weird stuff falling from the sky. Now, I, I will say there have been reports of mixed animals falling. Uh, I did come across one in Japan, and that's why I didn't really put it in the rest of them because it doesn't really fit the category. Uh, one in Japan where they had octopus, literal octopi falling from the sky, and starfish and seahorses falling from the sky over Japan. Wow. Now it right. And again, if we're talking, okay, well then there was a, a tornado, a water spout and it sucked all these animals up. 
Well, for one, you're not going to find a lot of octopi living directly in the same area. They're very territorial. Okay. And then two, if they're talking about density, separating them out, that's why we only have one species fall at a time. Well, octopus and seahorse and starfish are all kind of a little different, right? And so if that's the case, then then they're not all going to fall in the same place. So that's why that one didn't really quite fit my profile because that I could see being some kind of water spout off of Japan in a reef somewhere. And then it dumped everything that it sucked up. That one would kind of make a little more sense. Uh, what was that bloody flesh in England? I didn't come across that one. Um, they do have what they call blood falls. And that, that is literally what it sounds like. It's, you know, blood red rain falling down. But when they collected that, what they found was it was actually due to an algae contamination, like a certain algae combined with certain chemicals in the rain, and it kind of oxidized it and made it red, kind of like a red algae bloom on the ocean or that kind of a thing. So they were able to figure out what the, the blood rain is. Uh, so that one's not a mystery. That one actually has a scientific explanation to it. They were able to identify this, the, the specific strain of algae that contaminated it and and what certain conditions uh it required to produce the blood rain uh so that is a specific phenomenon that does happen as well uh we're talking about the snakes falling yeah so yeah that that's a little different i mean yeah that's a little different one uh with hurricane andrew that was more destruction of the the reptile uh, warehouses and stores and stuff allowed them to escape. I didn't hear of any uh, uh, snakes raining down on people. <laughs> but like I said, I'm very glad I did not find... Can you imagine being like in Australia where they have like, you know, five of the top seven deadliest snakes or something like that and, and all of a sudden having a snake rain and you're not even sure what kind of snake it is, but you know that most of the snakes there can kill you like I would be petrified, petrified. Right. Yeah, kind of like the Sharknado. Yeah. You know, you know, Jennifer. It could be, you know, talking about you know the wrath of God or or signs from God, end times kind of stuff. We just don't know. We just don't know. But that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it a good rabbit hole topic. Is it's observable. We see it happen, but we just don't know why it happens. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully next week, guys, I'll be able to uh, get a guest. I got a couple of guys I'm talking to. Really cool guests. Either one of them I'd be absolutely happy with. Uh, yeah, can you imagine a raining black mambas or no. taipans no. or like brown no. snakes? Ah, It's bad enough it was jellyfish, guys. Think about that. All types of jellyfish can sing you, except for like maybe a few small species. This is definitely one of the stinging ones, and it was falling on people. I can't imagine, imagine how horrifying that would be. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's incredible. Yeah, awesome. So, Interesting show. Remember, guys. Yeah, we live in a very strange world. Uh, most of it can be explained by science. The other half will be explained by science at some point. But that doesn't make it any less miraculous or any less strange or paranormal or thought-provoking. So 
keep it alive guys keep it real keep you know look out and study the world around us and dig in those mysteries and and find out what's going on i, I really love doing it that's why i do what i do you know because you just don't know what you're going to find all right or coast to coast around the world ladies and gentlemen that's a wrap we'll catch you on the next show godspeed